Welcome back to Ion on Call, a podcast from Ion Solutions where we discuss the latest industry information relevant to our GPO member practices. In this episode, a part of our Precision Medicine series, Natasha Clinton, Director of Medical Affairs for Intrinsic Specialty Solutions, and Nicole Chambers, Senior Director of Corporate Services at Ion Solutions, discuss the advancements in liquid and tissue biopsy testing, as well as the improvements our partners are making in the precision medicine space. Natasha, if you can take a moment to explain what is a liquid and tissue test and what's the difference between the two. So the tissue tests have traditionally been and are still, you know, standard of care for diagnosing cancer. But with the evolution of liquid biopsies, the science behind the liquid biopsy is really looking at analyzing DNA, in most cases, more specifically, circulating tumor DNA, which comes off of the tumor themselves and circulates in the blood. And so that is a blood draw where you're taking whole blood from uh, a sample from the patient. And the evolution of the liquid biopsies, we've seen really in the last 18 months, even most notably in 2020 with new indications and approvals from the FDA in whole or next-gen sequencing capabilities within liquid, where prior to that, there was more focus on single genes, or depending on the disease state, particular genes that they would evaluate in liquid. And so with that new indication of the next-gen sequencing capability within liquid, that opens up a lot of possibilities that didn't exist prior to that. Can you talk a little bit about how those different tests have evolved and changed? The space has really evolved to where we're really relying heavily on both tissue and liquid, depending on the clinical circumstance. Early in the precision medicine discussions, as we began working more and more with leaders in the space, there was lots of discussion related to um, tissue versus liquid biopsy. When do you use those? What's the concordance between the testing? When is it clinically uh, relevant to use tissue testing or liquid testing. And I think there was some hesitancy early on um, with liquid testing, just based on consistency of the results between liquid and tissue and it being a newer technology. However, over time, that has significantly changed and evolved. We've learned a lot about biomarkers in the last few years, and we continue to see a lot of biomarkers that are emerging in the space. So given the advantages, depending on the clinical situation that liquid biopsies provide, that gives clinicians a way to really monitor specific patients for those emerging biomarkers, whether that be for clinical trials or other new emerging therapies coming out. And the only thing I'll add there is that some of our companies who do have a liquid test have implemented mobile phlebotomy, so they will actually send the van or truck, whatever they're using, um, with the qualified healthcare professional to the patient's house to take the blood draw. Would you say that they provide consistent results? Is one more trustworthy than the other? Yeah, I I think that was definitely a concern with the providers um, related more specifically to the liquid test. But over time, and we've actually looked at a few case examples, some of our leaders have shared examples where they have received similar, the same results based on tissue and liquid testing on the same patient. When considering the value of liquid versus tissue testing, I think it's an important call out related to the limitations of the liquid biopsy 
and how that test is performed. That's depending on how the tumor is shedding that DNA is definitely a consideration when clinicians are trying to make decisions on the best test for the patient and clinical scenario that's sitting in front of them. And can you talk a little bit about the test panels that are required? So the testing panels can be something that can be very challenging to providers. And the challenge really lies in the fact that the panels can vary depending on the uh, testing company and the grouping of individual tests within a panel. And by that, I mean that certain tests, specific molecular tests, may be omitted in a broader-based panel. And so it's really important for the providers to understand what's included in the panel, what exactly is being tested, and understand the recommendations or the guidelines around testing for that particular clinical case that they're sending. So that, that's a great example of why our panel came together and developed the testing recommendations and continue to develop testing recommendations because we need to make sure not only that we're looking at the broad-based panels, but what are those individual tests that are included underneath or within those panels themselves. Can we just go into discussing a little bit about the payer coverage when doing these yeah. tests? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, the payer coverage can also be somewhat tricky depending, again, on those panel sets or if you're trying to order a broad-based like comprehensive genomic profiling test versus uh, a disease-specific panel, for example. And so, you know, there are definitely resources out there depending on the testing company that will help address some of the payer challenges that practices and physicians and patients run into, but that is something that can be of concern. Um, so it's important to have a good relationship with that testing company so that they can help and assist us with the payer coverage issues that may arise, but also have a good understanding, again, just as to what's included in that broader set of testing the only thing that I might add is that a lot of these testing companies also have patient assistance programs or foundations that the patient can apply to in order to get discounts or money put towards their testing costs. So now we're going to move on to Nicole to talk a little bit about practice-based testing and some of the partners that we're working with on that. So one partner that we started working with is Precipio, and they are a newer company that has come about, and they serve right now as a reference laboratory. They're focused on hematologic malignancies, and one of the biggest issues in this area is delayed turnaround time on these molecular tests. The FDA mandates that you get results back within five days, and that often does not happen. So what Precipio has done is created the heme screen panel. And so this is for physician office um, laboratories. And our practices have the ability to purchase a machine called the Quant Studio machine from Thermo Fisher. And they can run their own tests in their office and have results within four hours instead of waiting two to four weeks for genes to be tested and reported. Right now, the genes and um, the common genes that they are able to test for are MPN malignancies as well as AML. They have much more in the pipeline that will be forthcoming, and physicians can either batch these tests together and run them, or they can run them one-off as needed. 
really the biggest benefits, as I said, were faster turnaround time, but also control of the whole process. You know, rather than beholden to reference laboratories and having to chase them down for results, now it's all in their office and they have full control over the testing. Also, they're able to keep that revenue in-house, so they're not sending it out to a reference lab. They're able to bill for that, so it's a new revenue stream for them as well. One of the other companies that we are working with or continue to work with is Invitae. This is a genetic testing company, and what they've created, which I found really beneficial during COVID, is the GIA chatbot. So the GIA stands for Genetic Information Assistant, and what it does is it facilitates comprehensive genetic testing with the information intake that is necessary to understand if a patient is eligible or should receive a genetic test. So what they did was they purchased a company that had this chat bot, and it's highly intuitive and intelligent, and it prompts the patient with different questions, and then at the end, it will say whether or not they qualify for genetic testing. What the patient can then do is opt to have a test sent right to their house, and they do the saliva test and then send it back, and their physician will get the results, which they can then go over what their uh, prevalence is or their tendency is towards different mutations. What Invitae also does is, depending on the results for a particular patient, they will then for free test the rest of the patient's family, whichever members of the family would be applicable depending on the particular type of cancer. They're a good partner of ours and they've really adapted to being in this COVID environment and having the tests being sent direct to the patient's house. They've also recently purchased Archer DX. ION had been talking to Archer DX for quite a while about in-house NGS testing. So that tissue testing that Natasha was talking about, Archer has reagents that allow physicians to run at highly sensitive rates the NGS testing that patients need to have done. Often they're able to find at a 6% greater sensitivity, RET fusions and some of those more rare fusions or um, markers that may not be detected on other next-gen sequencing tests. So we're really happy that Archer has moved into the Invite family and we'll be bringing them out to practices soon. You've highlighted some of our current service partners that we're working with in the precision medicine space. Can you tell us a little more about what it takes to be an ION partner? Sure. So Natasha and I have set up this subgroup of our precision medicine advisory panel, and we really rely on them to kind of vet out partners and to make sure that the tests really do what they say they do. They're as specific as they say. Their turnaround time is the same. So sometimes we'll have members of this little subgroup do a validation study for us to make sure that the partner really stands up to what they say they can do. Or we have the partner present to the Precision Medicine Advisory Panel, let them ask questions, and really dive deep into the the clinical basis of the tests. So as far as a good partner, we do look for those that are going to be engaged with the Precision Medicine Advisory Panel, but with also all of our members. They do need ongoing education. Every test is different. It's a different set of genes, or it just has different capabilities, and we need for them to have that ongoing education. And so we have to rely on those partners to do that. So we would prefer partners that look to engage with us and do some broader education to the panel and the membership going forward. So we usually like to sit down and develop a plan 
to launch them into the membership, but then to also do that, that education. Natasha, do you have anything you want to add about your work with the panel and their role in finding new partners to work with? Yeah. As Nicole mentioned, we put together a subgroup of the Precision Medicine Advisory Panel to really begin to work closely with potential partners to evaluate not only the business opportunities that may exist in a partnership, but more closely evaluate the clinical and scientific aspects of their offering and the science behind testing, for example, as some of the companies that Nicole mentioned. And especially early on when we were meeting with the panel, that was a discussion and a point of conversation that came up quite frequently is to how do you really evaluate between the multiple options out there? Because that's a huge challenge for clinicians. Which one is the best? And why would I decide to send my test to this partner versus another partner? Or why would I choose this panel of test versus that panel of test? Or what's different about this technology versus that technology. So it's really important to dive a little bit deeper before we make those partner decisions as Nicole outlined, so that the membership can feel confident in what we're bringing to them, not only from a business perspective, but I think probably most importantly from a clinical and scientific perspective. I would just add that some of these partners were legacy prior to us really taking this investment in precision medicine. So we have worked with those partners to bring them up to the quality standards of what the panel is really looking for. And so we've worked with them quite closely to do that. So whether it's reducing turnaround time or improving their reporting, you know, we've really worked hand in hand with them to bring them up to the standard that we're looking for. That's all for this episode of Ion on Call. Subscribe to our channel to get notified when the next episode drops. If you have any questions for today's guests, email iononcall at gmail.com. We also want to make sure you are getting the most out of our content. So if you have a topic you would like to learn more about, let us know. That email again is iononcall at gmail.com. iononcall at gmail.com. Until next time, stay safe and thanks for listening.